Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Tuesday, August 16th, and today Julia Yaffe stops by to talk about the classified documents that Donald Trump was hiding at Mar-a-Lago, the possible national security implications, and whether Trump might actually face criminal penalties. We'll hear about all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Hey guys, it's Peter. I travel all the time, especially in an election year. And as we all know, what luggage you choose matters. Briggs & Riley is my personal favorite because their luggage performs. It's extremely durable, has amazing features that make packing and getting around easier, and they have the best lifetime guarantee in the industry. If your bag is ever broken or damaged, they will repair it free of charge. No proof of purchase needed, no questions asked, even if an airline damages your bag. All features were created to address customer pain points for a better travel experience. They're extremely durable with rigorous testing and premium materials to last for life. And one thing I love, they're supremely smooth, shock-absorbing wheels for easy gliding through your travels through whatever airport you're zooming through. And hot off the press, the Simpatico collection of hard-sided luggage. It's new and improved and just launched on BriggsRiley.com. That's Briggs-Riley.com. It has the new one-touch feature, which allows you to expand your luggage, pack it, and then compress it to its original size. So a carry-on can still fit in the overhead compartment, and that's just one of the new features. It's available in black, navy, and olive. So check out all the Briggs and Riley offerings at Briggs-Riley.com. That's Briggs-Riley.com. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I'm joined today by Julia Yaffe, and we're going to dissect what went down at Mar-a-Lago last week and what we know. Um, Because Julia, you are a savant about national security, diplomacy, foreign policy, a variety of issues, war. Uh, and potentially <laughs> sensitive nuclear documents. <laughs> oh. Anyway, welcome to the pod, Julia. Hope you're good. Thanks for having me. I would like to start just to sort of level set here because there's been lots of reporting flying around. It's important to state that we don't know specifically what was in these documents that were confiscated from Mar-a-Lago. But just to set the table, what do we know about these documents? So what we know... Uh, according to part of what was unsealed by the Justice Department in response to Donald Trump and Fox News and right-wing media and social media creating a a shitstorm about the raid at Mar-a-Lago, DOJ released basically the receipt, uh, both the warrant and the receipt of what was taken from Mar-a-Lago during that search last Monday. And... What was taken was a whole lot of top secret and secret documents and sensitive documents. Some of those documents were so secret that you have to read them in a very secure government facility or just a secure government facility known as a skiff. A skiff is basically a kind of room you go in there, you can't bring your phone in there. There's it jams interference, basically. It is a super secure room, no bugs, uh, no way people from the outside, like foreign spy agencies, can see what you're reading, can 
overhear what you're talking about. It is a super, super secure location. They exist on the Hill. They exist in the White House and the Pentagon, et cetera. And for example, when the president travels or the secretary of state travels, or let's say the CIA director travels, they set up a skiff on site. They set up one of these super secure locations that cannot be penetrated by um, hostile foreign powers or allies trying to eavesdrop. The fact that these documents could only be viewed in, in one of these kind of like metal bubbles is how I imagine them. But they were like in a box somewhere in Mar-a-Lago in a completely unsecured location with people going in and out. Apparently, they didn't even have a very good lock on the door is wild. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be one of the major reasons they conducted this mission. Mar-a-Lago is not a secure location. Yes, there's Secret Service. Yes, there's security. But this is a members club. You know, any sycophant can show up and maybe a bad actor from a foreign country could show up. Maybe that person could sneak into a room and find something. But remember, we had that happen. It happened a few years ago where a person who turned out to be a Chinese spy waltzed right into Mar-a-Lago. And that was just one that the U.S. government happened to catch and that made it into the New York Times, right? So that's like two levels of disclosure. So it is a super not secure location. Second of all, these documents should not be there, period. Not because it's not a secure location, but because that is not where they belong. The other thing, it turns out that some of these documents were extremely sensitive documents dealing with nuclear things. And we don't know if that means United States nuclear things or nuclear things related to China, North Korea, Russia, or any nuclear actors. But that doesn't change the fact that they're extremely sensitive, whichever country's uh, nuclear information is uh, uh, reportedly included in these documents. The implication was that they are about U.S. nuclear policy or U.S. nuclear doctrine or U.S. nuclear technology, which immediately raises the question of why did Trump take this with him? How did he take this from the White House? Why has he kept it so long? As we found out also at the end of last week, there was a subpoena in the spring when the National Archives realized that these documents were missing and said, hey, we'd like them back, please. Not only did Trump and his people not comply, we found out over the weekend they wrote to the DOJ and said, we've sent back everything. Does that mean they lied or they didn't know? They lied to the DOJ, either by omission or like either on purpose or by accident, they lied. Would these be attorneys for Trump? Attorneys for Trump. And I feel like at this point, we have enough, they have enough of a track record where we don't need to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I was just, I was just drawing the distinction because like there's a difference between a David Bossy, Kellyanne Conway lying to the DOJ and an actual attorney lying to the DOJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was an attorney that wrote to the DOJ, said we've given everything back. And then it turned out that wasn't true. And that's one of the reasons, not only that there was this raid, but obstruction was cited in the warrant. He had these nuclear documents with him for at least 18 months since leaving the White House. The government has been trying to get them back. He has resisted giving them back. And I'm wondering, why is he holding on to them? The fuck is he doing with them? I believe it was the Washington Post that first reported there was nuclear information in these documents. And this set off 
at least among me and my friends who I was texting with, the never-ending question about Donald Trump, which is, is he a sinister uh, actor who is carrying out some nefarious secretive plot? Or is he a doofus who just thought it would be cool to keep the nuclear documents and like show them off as like a party trick at Mar-a-Lago? Like, hey, come here. You want to see something cool? I kind of come down on the ladder because that seems to explain a lot about him. Really? But no, but there's always the open door to being like, oh, what else is going on here? What is he doing behind the scenes? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just saying like that's always kind of been the definitional approach to Trump is like, is he a clown or is he a bad guy or is he a little bit of both? And I think that was the question that we were asking ourselves. I'm going to cheat and say I don't think they're mutually exclusive. <laughs> that's, that's where we come down to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know that Trump thinks that classified presidential level documents are his personal property. He, you know, Maggie Haberman reported he would flush them down the toilet. Aides would follow him around and try to piece them together after he ripped them up. So it's possible he kept them as either some kind of insurance policy or some something else. While at the same time being like, you know, maybe there's a a golfer that comes to Mar-a-Lago and he's just like, yo, check this out. And, you know, he wants to flex both a picture of him and some famous person, but also like, yo, here's a nuclear document. How cool is that? Those are that is at once a bad thing and a dumb thing. The thing that comes to mind for me is that Donald Trump doesn't do anything unless there's money involved. Like he doesn't do anything for free. Like he buried his fucking ex-wife in a in his golf course so he could get a tax break. Where my mind went is like, is he gonna try to cash in on this? He was buds with the Saudis. Is he gonna help the Russians? Like classified US information is always valuable, right? There's always a market for it. It's why we have things like security clearances. It's dumb shit like. And people with security clearances uh, won't smoke weed because it's against federal law and you can lose your security clearance over that because you could potentially get blackmailed for something like that, right? And and you can get blackmailed for shit because like there's information that people want that people with security clearances have. And he just waltzed out of the White House with this super sensitive information. And, you know, he's always looking to turn a buck. That's where my mind went immediately is like, what is he trying to do with this information? Yes, that is the big unknown at the moment. And I think a lot of people's minds went there. Um, I want to take a quick break, Julia. When we come back, I want to ask you what legal repercussions there might be for the former president, if any. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. 
Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash powers that be. netsuite.com slash powers that be. That's netsuite.com slash powers that be. Okay, Julia, um, the unsealed search warrant from the FBI says that, you know, part of the reason for this quote unquote raid was that Trump might have possibly been violating the Espionage Act by holding on to these classified documents. Um, How would he be in violation of the Espionage Act specifically? With the necessary caveat that I'm not actually a lawyer, my understanding of how he would be violating the Espionage Act is that by holding this extremely, extremely sensitive national security information, including reportedly information about our nuclear programs, which is some of the most sensitive information that we have, um, in an insecure location where it can be accessed or seen by our adversaries, he is compromising the security of the United States. That's also, we have to state he hasn't been charged with anything. And what's interesting is that, like, if you remember 2016 to 2020, though I try to block it out, the Espionage Act was constantly invoked by um, people who were obsessed with Russiagate, right? Like, is he colluding with the Russians? Is he spying for the Russians? Is he a Russian plant? Can we invoke the Espionage Act? If not against him, what about his associates? And it's funny that it's being invoked now when he's out of office because he took some documents, put them in a box, in a room. Lied about having them. Yeah, lied about repeatedly about having them and kept them like by the pool, apparently. The reason I brought up the Espionage Act, though, is for the exact reason you just talked about, which is for the duration of Trump's time in office, there was a, a, you know, hope, uh, fantasy, wonder, you know, on the left and not the left, that Trump might be prosecuted for something. He might be breaking the law. And from everything I've read so far, that still seems incredibly murky. Um, You know, Trump's response was, I can declassify whatever I want. I'm the president. When I left office, it was kind of a rush and, you know, don't know what you're taking. There's that sentiment out there again right now. They're like, oh my God, they might've finally got him. I'm a pessimist about this stuff. Like, I don't think... Ultimately, you know, he can be tried, prosecuted, thrown into jail for for this. But, you know, what do I know? We're seeing some potentially criminal acts like listed in Department of Justice warrants. And like that feels farther than previous investigations or impeachment efforts. I'm with you on both those things. It's like on one hand, you're seeing that you're seeing warrants, you're seeing. And I agree with you on not calling it a raid. It was like a lawful fucking search. As I said to Tara last week on this podcast. It was only unprecedented because Donald Trump is unprecedented. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And like, I keep hearing that even down to the local news, like NPR, like everything I listen to, every podcast, the unprecedented raid. It's unprecedented for a president to take documents. And on top of the many, many, many other things Donald Trump did that were unprecedented and borderline illegal. hundred percent. Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> it's a thousand percent what I'm thinking when I'm hearing that or reading that word. I'm like, shut up. That's not why it's unprecedented. <laughs> The thing that sparked it was unprecedented. Yes. At the same time, I just keep thinking, do you remember that tweet that was just always going around during Trump's presidency that was like, 
I'd like to see Donnie Trump wiggle out of this one. <laughs> I didn't Remember? see that one, but I blacked out a lot of... <laughs> you know, it was ironic, obviously, and it, and it was it went around a lot, and the, the point was that he always did, right? He got wiggled out of everything. Like, Bob Mueller issued his report and listed at least 10 instances where Trump obstructed justice, and, like, absolutely nothing came of that. There were so many things that he did that compromise national security. I mean, I'm thinking of the Helsinki press conference with Putin, where he publicly took the side of uh, a foreign adversary against the American intelligence community, where he showed the Russian foreign minister and the Russian ambassador Israeli intelligence without first warning the Israelis. And you heard the same argument that you're hearing now from Trump's allies, which is, you know, he's the declassifier in chief. He can declassify anything he wants, but he can't just wave a magic wand and say, this is declassified. He also can't declassify things once he's out of office. A, there's no record that he declassified any of this. Yeah, that's the thing. There's no paper trail. He just like, can he just say out loud, oh, I declassified this. No one was around when I did it. <laughs> yeah, like Beetlejuice, the declassification, right? And when his allies say, they act like that being a former president gives you some kind of special immunity, that you can't have your house searched, that you can declassify all kinds of documents. It's like he, they still think of him as this like magic king. I was listening to Pod Save the World last week because uh, Ben Rhodes and, and Tommy Vitor, who used to work for Obama's national security team, were talking about this. So they have some insight into how classified documents are handled. Um, but they pointed out on the former president topic, they were like, this might be unprecedented in the U.S., but like, you know, Nicolas Sarkozy in France was just convicted uh, of of by a French court. Former Israeli president was convicted. Like democracies totally actually do adhere to the law, even if it's a former prime minister or, or president. And that's something that needs to be discussed. That obviously won't get through to the ears of like the Dan Bonginos and Tucker Carlson's of the world, but it needs to be said. Yeah. And I and I think that this was, um, you know, this was very much in the air in Washington last summer. And I, I was talking to a, a source in the Department of Justice who was telling me, you know, he that Merrick Garland was trying to tread very carefully between these two unprecedented things, you know, dealing with the unprecedented actions of a former president and what dealing with them would mean which is unprecedented actions by the DOJ against a former president. I personally think that it helps a democracy, right? Because it shows that nobody is above the rule of law. To act like a former president is some kind of king and that you continue having some kind of legal immunity after you leave office is crazy. We should point out on that note, Merrick Garland is no one's idea of a like fire-breathing liberal. He is an inherently cautious attorney general. And the DOJ said it opposes the release of the affidavit that was filed to get the judge's permission to issue the warrant, um, basically saying we can't disclose this. It's way too sensitive, you know, so they're like, you know, the right will say they're like selectively leaking information or whatever. But what that signals to me is the DOJ is just being responsible. They need to prove that this was a legitimate search. But at the same time, they, they themselves can't disclose national security secrets in the process. It's a tough place to be, but I do think they're being as cautious and, and keeping a very high bar. This is always the issue with Trump, is that he lures people onto his side of the field where 
it is an unwinnable game for them, right? So Trump, his lawyers had all of this information. Fox and right-wing media, and he himself kicked up a storm with that press release, right? He's the one who announced it and said it was unprecedented and made up and a witch hunt and whatever. Having had all of this information the whole time and then forcing Merrick Garland to do that press conference, to release the information, to justify his actions to the American public days after a certain narrative has been established with the right, who is already going to believe whatever narrative Donald Trump put out there. There's a certain part of me that's like, who is Merrick Garland convincing? Julia, I will let you go there. As usual, uh, you are correct. Tomorrow will be worse. (laughs) Uh, And I'm sure I will say that to you again next week when you're on the pod. (laughs) Thanks, Peter. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13.